0: sections 94 to 97.
1: Yeah, I'm interested in talking a little bit about uh, what it means to be accepted of the Lord.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited about talking about temple blessings today.
1: Yeah. So welcome. Before we get into our discussion, should we follow up on what we read? Yeah,
0: let's
1: do it. So today we're talking about Doctrine and Covenants sections 94 to 97. Uh, In these sections, the Lord gives the saints instructions to build a temple and says that his glory and presence will be there.
0: He's going to chastise them with love for not following through with that command to build the temple. And he is going to remind them to get going on the process of building it. Mm -hmm.
1: He then promises the saints that he will accept those who keep their covenants. Um, So we're going to focus in on three specific things in our discussion today. The Lord's chastisement, the Lord's acceptance, and eternal temple blessings.
0: So in order to dive deeper into these topics, as well as into these sections of the Doctrine and Covenants, we have invited our wonderful friends, Vanessa and Steve Graham. If you could come join us, we'd appreciate it. Thank you. Welcome. So great having you here. Thank you for the invitation, Barb. Of course. It's our pleasure. So, Vanessa, you are a retired pediatric nurse and midwife. And also, you and your husband together have served as mission president and wife of Tahiti. Is Mm -hmm. that right? Mm That's right. Steve, you are also the director of training at the MTC. And then together, MTC. you were the MTC president mm-hmm. of Ghana, right? That's right. Yeah. And then also of the temple. the temple.
2: been a great blessing to be in yeah. service.
1: So before we get into our discussion, I'm wondering, was there anything in these sections that kind of stood out to you? as especially significant or meaningful?
2: For me, and
3: I know we're going to get into it, is the acceptance.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: As I think, as I reflect on my own family. Mm-hmm. There are certain qualities, shall we say, mm-hmm. that, have, that
2: we're told about.
3: Mm-hmm. And so I want to learn more. Excellent, yeah.
2: One of the things that is most fascinating to me is to see the detail of how the Lord deals with His children in accomplishing His work of bringing to pass their immortality and eternal life. How He loves them in spite of their weaknesses and how He forgives them, gives them another chance. And He actually, in these sections, talks with them and speaks specifically about their challenges. It was just really refreshing.
1: Excellent. So maybe we can jump right into it then and, and start out uh, with talking how the Lord communicates with those people who are in error or perhaps misstepping, uh, focusing on the Lord's chastisement. So the, the saints are instructed to build a temple and establish a school for the prophets. Uh, there was a building committee, three individuals were on it. And then Doctrine and Covenants section 95, it comes as a rebuke to the saints for procrastinating the building of the temple, Correct.
0: Yeah, and frankly for good reason. We'll get into that a little bit more too. But we, we we're talking about two different groups of people. One major group in Kirtland, one major group in Missouri. Uh, there's expectations, or there are expectations of them that are they're that almost beyond compare. Um, they're supposed to be dealing with with the people that are around them, making good relationships with their neighbors, making having good relationships with the state, all at the same time selling all their homes, coming to coming to these areas, and then building a temple, and they're somehow they're supposed to come up with money. I mean there was, no, there was no temple fund at that time. We didn't have this major fund. The, the money came from the individuals, right? Mm-hmm. And so we have a lot going on where these people are really in a, in a precarious situation.
1: Mm-hmm. So one of the things that stood out to me is, is verse 1 in section 95. It says, So verily thus saith the Lord unto you whom I love, and whom I love I also chasten, that their sins may be forgiven. For with the chastisement I prepare a way for their deliverance in all things out of temptation, and I have loved you. So, I mean, this is interesting because it raises a question in my mind. How is chastisement a manifestation of love? Because we typically look at chastisement as kind of a punishment for us doing something bad.
3: Well, it's apparent, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, that verse has, he tells them three times. Mm-hmm. Three times that he loves them. Yeah. But he also tells them uh, because of the chastisement, he's preparing a way for their deliverance. He's telling them why and, um, and the outcome, the hopeful outcome. of the chastisement. So if
2: you're chastising one of your children, that that pattern, let me tell you why I am concerned. And you tell me how you're feeling. This is what is so fascinating to me, how 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 much detail we get about the Lord's interaction with His children. It takes patience. It takes patience. It takes love to be patient.
1: Excellent. I think Angela had a comment.
2: So I just have a, a fun little quote that I found in my scriptures. It's um, by Elder D. Todd Christofferson, and he says, uh, "Truly, we ought to rejoice that God considers us worth the time and trouble to correct." And I just love that. Going along with this, um, the reason why He rebukes and, ch- and chastens us is because He really does love us, and He wants us to improve, and you know, so we can eventually have that end goal of, of living with Him again.
0: I think it may be in that exact same talk that Elder Christopherson kind of gives us three different reasons that that God chastises us. And he says this, divine chastening has at least three purposes. One, to persuade us to repent. Two, to refine and sanctify us. And three, at times, to redirect our course in life to what God knows is a better path. So I, I love that idea and, and these are three reasons and God is doing it because he really does see that we're worth the chastening, right? If we weren't worth the chastening, he wouldn't do it. He would just let us do our own thing. He loves us so much and he sees our, sees our potential so much that he is chastening us to move us towards a better path or for other reasons. So one of the
1: things I'm curious about is, I mean, in, in section 95 uh, verse one, the Lord is giving a revelation telling people that you're doing something wrong and this revelation is a chastisement. Uh, Elder Christopherson refers to divine chastisement. I'm wondering, how do you recognize the chastisement of the Lord? In in the scriptures, it tells us that everything from God promotes us to do good. So what what is this motivation? What is the end result? Are we moved to righteousness? I think that is what clarifies to me what is divine chastisement. Yeah, excellent. One of the things i've I've noticed too in in my life is that sometimes the Lord will help me to discern the negative effect of my actions on other people. and i and that's when I recognize most that it's His chastisement because it I, I can see how it's affecting them in a way that's not visible to the naked eye as it were. Like you know, I could see how it's affecting them emotionally and spiritually. and it's it's very humbling to see how I'm harming people. And I, I experience that kind of negative emotions and that really in, um, it functions as an impetus, a motivation for me to change. It's when that kind of spiritual aspect is, is uh, involved that I know that it's from God rather than just me just having a bad day or something like that.
0: Great
2: comment.
1: So maybe for the Grahams and, and for anybody else as well, what are some productive responses to chastisement or criticism from the Lord?
2: In, in being chastised, or uh, between two people, if, uh, if there's a problem that arises, I've noticed that we learn. We learn something that we could not have learned otherwise. Uh, my wife and I had a disagreement. What? No. <laughs> Just one?
0: <laughs> uh, Vanessa, how could you?
2: <laughs> not long ago, and after it was all over, I said to her, wasn't that good? <laughs> Wasn't that good that we we would never have learned this we would never have discussed what we just discussed had we not had this disagreement but we've got to be willing to listen
3: it's all right uh being the chastiser but it's always also good to get the other perspective as well there's reasons for for what that person has done or said and so I, there's been adjustments and learning, and it's been good.
0: Well, and that's one of the things I know that I... You know, I teach an eternal family class, and that's one of the things that I talk to my students about. I just say, you, as you're dating this individual, you need to not... Just because you've gotten an argument or a disagreement doesn't mean it's the end of the world and you need to break up. But pay attention to how you do disagree. Mm-hmm. And pay attention to how he or she is disagreeing with you and how you're feeling and how you're disagreeing with them. Mm-hmm. And, and recognize that this will likely be a pattern that you set in your future... And if you don't change it. But if you, if you do continue to marry this person, and please understand, disagreeing is not in any way against God's, God's laws, right? Mm. But it's how you're disagreeing, and the contention that could come if we're not disagreeing well, that could actually be very damaging. Mm-hmm. During
3: my studies, it, it, it was very apparent there were problems in the school of the prophets. And and you can't get much higher than that. There was contention. Absolutely. But but it was honorary contention, and uh, it needed to be dealt with. The scriptures tell us that the Lord was going to do some cleaning house.
0: Yeah, in in verse 5 specifically, you can see this, section 95. I mean, we have some of these external problems, but as you said, these are internal. And the Lord says, "...but behold, verily I say unto you, that there are many who have been ordained among you, whom I have called, but few of them are chosen." They who are not chosen have sinned a very grievous sin and that they are walking in darkness at noonday the Lord is clearly frustrated. Not only is there some some struggle with their disobedience regarding the building of the temple, but there's disobedience regarding how they are treating and acting amongst each other and also how they're respecting the prophet. Talk about Joseph Smith um, being a master and an incredible example of receiving chastisement. Over and over and over again, Joseph is being chastised at different times from the Lord. Mm -hmm. And you just see him almost saying to the Lord, what more, what more can I do? Where, who else do you want me to serve? Where else do you want me to move? And, and you see these the saints struggling. And not to say that Joseph wasn't struggling, but he clearly knew the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because of his recognition of who the Lord was and his relationship to the Lord that he was able to bear this chastisement. He would felt his love, but he also trusted in who he was as the Lord. Yeah, Lisa.
1: You look through all the scriptures
3: and all the prophets have been chastised for one point or another. Good point. So us, or I should say me, as somebody that's just you know, somebody simple, no profit or anything. I need to take in check about being chastised and not feeling that I am just not doing everything I should be doing. And it's just more of a a learning tool that Heavenly Father's just trying to get us back on the right track, on that path
0: to where He wants us to be. Well said.
1: Yeah, and if, I mean... One of the things I think we can't fully understand is the Lord's love for us, and if chastisement is an expression of that love, um, ideally it's something we can get used to and and, and turn to bear spiritual fruit, right? Excellent. This has been a a great discussion on uh, the Lord's chastisement. Now we can maybe transition and talk a little bit about what it means to be accepted by the Lord. (music) So if you were to kind of go through these sections and and map out what it is, what it means exactly to be accepted of the Lord, uh, you'd see that there there are different character attributes of the person who is accepted of the Lord. Um, They have an honest and broken heart, a contrite spirit, they're willing to observe whatever sacrifice is required, and they are pure in heart. And one of the things, uh, I mean the, the characteristics, they aren't things that you can like recognize easily in a person. It's all character attributes that I am not qualified to judge just by looking at a person. So I'm reminded of the story of the prophet Samuel and David. Samuel's come, he's looking to anoint a king of Israel. He comes, he chooses one of the sons of Jesse, and the Lord says, no, it's not him. And he chooses him because he looks most like king material, right? Mm -hmm. The Lord tells him that the Lord doesn't look on the outer appearance, he looks on the heart. And I think that's what he invites us to do. And it's not something we can do that much on our own. It takes the spirit, it takes seeing others through God's eyes,
2: right? Mm -hmm.
0: And you know, Stephen, and Vanessa, and I'm sure many of you have this this understanding as well, these experiences. But you you have been in leadership positions throughout the world, and you've also been parents. Uh, you've you've had responsibilities in different church callings as well, and as neighbors. I, I'm wondering what have you learned from the Lord in accepting other people?
3: Elder Holland has said, "You go where they are."
2: Rather than expecting them to rather come than, where than you expecting
3: are. them mm-hmm. to come to where you are, you go mm-hmm. where they are, and. Uh, I, I have tried to go where they are and uh, learn from them.
1: And that's such a humble and meek attitude, the idea that even though like, you've, been a life, you've been a member of the church for quite a while, and yet you still assume that you can learn things from other people regardless of who they are and where they're at.
2: I think one of the keys is to, like my wife was saying, to listen. The more you find out about a person, the more your love for them grows. And I guess that's why the Lord loves us so much, because He knows everything about us. Yeah. He knows our desires and our hearts. And in like manner, as we enter as we make the effort to listen and to find out why and where they've been and what they're doing, our love will increase. You'll start to see each other's perspective if you take the time, if we take the time to listen. It was beautiful.
0: I had an experience one time when I taught seminary where there was this young man who was just talking and, and throwing things. And it was, you know, it was just not his typical personality. And it was really irking me as I'm trying to talk about spiritual things. And I walked up to him about ready to tell him how I felt, in a sense. <laughs> and, and I felt this chastisement for me and approval of the Lord for him in the same moment mm. where in my mind's eye, I guess, or in my ear, I, I heard what seemed to say, He is my son, Uh. tread very carefully. And I remember just going to him and instead of giving him a piece of my mind, I said, are you okay? And he just started weeping my grandfather passed away today. I don't know how to do with this. I, I, these scriptures are important, but they're not answering the questions that I need to know today. I I, I, I just don't want to be here. I, w- I want to be crying at home. And I had a completely different experience listening to him and, and I, I could have blown it yeah. had I not allowed the Lord's acceptance mm-hmm. for this young man.
1: Um, I just love the thought of acceptance, especially from our, our Savior. And uh, in the world that we're in, I, I think um, a lot of us are looking for that acceptance, and we just have to look uh, at his life and, and who he spent most of his time with. Um, and it were, it were it were those people who, who were struggling and, and in need and, and maybe didn't look the part. Um, and people questioned that about him. But you know we don't have to question that, right? Um, I, I love looking to the scriptures and, and to his life and to see he'll accept anyone. It doesn't matter because it all comes back to, to love and, and who we are and, and where we can get to with him. So, Beautiful comment.
0: And, and I think that's a good a good understanding for us too, even when we're, we're dealing with our own children. You know, there's section 121 um, talks about how we reprove, but also the acceptance of it too. Reproving betimes with sharpness when moved upon by the Holy Ghost, which is critical, and then showing forth afterwards an increase of love towards him whom thou hast reproved. It's this idea of... Yes, you've been you've been reproved, but I accept you and I love you. And I wanna make sure that you understand that that love is going to keep this relationship strong regardless of anything that has happened. It's the love. And one of the things that we learn about acceptance is the importance of accepting other people as well. And at this time in, in the history of the church, which continues on in the history of the church, the Lord is requiring a, a great level of acceptance. These, these members of the church are really struggling. They're put in a position where they are dealing with people who are not of their same political beliefs. They don't have their same religious background. And, and they are going to need to be working together to do this. And in fact, they are going to be required in a sense to become one, even with those who may be perceived as their enemies so that they can receive the blessings of the temple. And we have, we have a video, a person asking us about some of this, this struggle.
2: Hello there, we're the marinos from American Fork, Utah.
0: We live in a day and age where many people have different views, whether it be political, religious, and personal beliefs.
2: Our question is, In the scriptures, we are taught that it is helpful to pray, to have charity and compassion for others. But what are some more practical things that we can practice in our day-to-day to increase love for our neighbor, even when they may have different political or personal beliefs?
0: It's a great question in context of of these sections. we talked about the acceptance already. And we talked about the temple. I mean, we have this group of people who actually believe that they are building Zion. Yet there's this contention, not only internally, but there's this contention externally as well. These, These members of the church at this time are going to be forced to sign a piece of paper, forcing them out of the state of Missouri, forcing them out of what they consider to be Zion. And the Lord is going to continue to work with Joseph and the leaders of the church to build relations and to strengthen relationships with people that they don't necessarily see eye to eye, in, in context of, of this history, what are some of these practical things that we can do?
2: Yeah, I think something for me is putting myself in opportunities to learn about other beliefs. Um, I'm someone who com- it comes naturally where I love to learn about other people and variety. And I think it's important that we definitely reach out to other people instead of throwing our beliefs on someone else or having that eager opportunity to share what we know, but being able to ask questions and finding out other beliefs and what other people know and, like, getting that knowledge and experience to be around different people, um, political, you know, or personal beliefs and having those opportunities to learn about others and what they see.
0: Yeah, and I don't know exactly—obviously, I wasn't there in church history—but, Melanie, I love that comment because part of me just wonders, you know, did the saints go— to the people and say, you know, let's really talk about your feelings regarding all of us coming here and and in, in huge numbers and putting ourselves in your city and changing your policies and your politics and everything else. But I think that idea of listening, and, and, may, and maybe they really did, I don't know. You know, and I think there's a lot of lesson, there's a huge lesson to be learned from that.
1: I think that for one thing, we can help and serve our neighbors so that they can feel our love towards them and
0: we can help them, I guess, have more love towards us as well. Great comment, Gavin. Yeah,
1: excellent. So this has been an excellent discussion on the Lord's acceptance. Now maybe we can transition and talk about eternal temple blessings
0: these are important sections regarding the temple section 95 is is a is a temple section when you think temple 95 is one of those major sections 97 as well I mean we see here we're in August 2nd 1833 the Lord has already commanded them what we talked about before to, to be building this temple and now we see in 97 we're seeing once again this severe persecution as it says in the section heading anytime it seems that the Lord is trying to build a temple there is going to be persecution in some way surrounding it
2: but it's a good sign yeah, it is. <laughs> it's a great sign of what's happening, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it weren't threatening to him, it would, there wouldn't be no opposition. Yeah,
0: excellent. And we, we've we seen it from this time all the way through until our until our day. There seems to be something that's trying to halt this, this progression. And that's something that was on Joseph Smith's mind a lot as well as he's building the temple. And Richard Bushman, a wonderful historian that's been on the show, uh, talked to us a little bit about uh, Joseph Smith in this quote where he says, Beginning in Kirtland, temples became an obsession. For the rest of his life, no matter the cost of the temple to himself and his people, Joseph made plans, raised money, mobilized workers, and required sacrifice. I mean, Joseph was dedicated to a lot of things, but the building of a temple was clearly a priority for this prophet as he was working and speaking for the Lord.
1: Excellent, things. So Barbara, I wonder if you can enumerate some of the uh, temple blessings that are talked about in this section, and then maybe reflect on what they mean.
0: Yeah. One of the blessings of the temple that the Lord has been stating since section 38 of the Doctrine and Covenants is in the temple, through the endowment through the covenants they make, they will be given power. In the temple, we are endowed with power from on high and we learn truth and we're given light. The Lord is going, if they would allow it, to resolve the problems that they are having through the covenants they are going to make in the temple. They will be given everything that they need in order to resolve the problems that they're dealing with.
1: So I know you too have had some unique experiences serving as a a temple president and attending the temple a lot. I'm wondering, uh, over the course of your life, what are some lessons you've learned from serving in the temple? What are some blessings you've received?
3: The absolute joy of the people who came to our temple in Ghana. It was was tangible. um, Because many of them would only come once. And so they, they came as sponges wanting to um, learn everything they could and understand everything they could. And that fed me. That fed me. It, it uh, taught me that uh, complacency had no, no place in my attitude towards the temple. It was, it
2: was just the pure joy. I, in the evenings, oftentimes when we were in the temple in the evening, After all of the patrons had come in and the the last session was in session, I used to like to sit on the sofa as people came out and just ask them, what was your experience today? And many times they would sit down and they would share. And I remember one time a bishop, he sat down and he said, I learn, I, I come here to learn how to be a bishop. I come away learning how to serve and how to love like the Savior loves. And it has just made all—I've learned how to be a bishop by coming to the temple. It's beautiful. You
0: see that in verse 14 of, of section 97, that they may be perfected in the understanding of their ministry, in theory, in principle, and in doctrine, and all things pertaining to the kingdom of God on the earth, the keys of which kingdom have been conferred upon them. And inasmuch as my people build a house unto me in the name of the Lord and do not suffer any unclean thing to come unto it, that it may not be defiled, my glory shall rest upon it. I mean, you're talking about a bishop going and finding out what he's supposed to do. That's one of the things that the temple does do do for us. It helps us to understand and have an understanding of what what the Lord will have us do with the power and authority that he has given to us by one who holds those priesthood keys and temple keys. So I'm wondering with you, what what blessings have you received through the temple? So personally,
1: I have only been able to do baptisms for the dead and confirmations. But still, that was a really big step for me when I was able to go to the temple and first do that because it just brings me so much peace knowing that my ancestors, that I didn't even get to meet, but I feel so much closer and more connected to them because I have done that for them.
0: I know you said just baptisms, but those are the initial covenants for any individual who wants to have eternal life. So what a blessing that you have given to any person to be able to have that covenant. So thank you for that work. Michael, please.
2: So one of the greatest blessings I've in the temple is to have the chance to be sealed to my best friend. Because in my eyes, heaven wouldn't be heaven without my wife there. And I'm so glad we have that blessing to be with our eternal companions and progress with them in the next life to work towards Heavenly Father together as a partnership.
0: That's beautiful. Thank you, Michael. One of the beauties of the temple, too, is the promise of the ceiling and the compensatory blessings that are given. And the blessing of the ceiling and the eternal family is absolutely critical, and also perspective for everyone who doesn't yet currently have that. Beautiful, Michael. Thank you.
1: So, this has been a great discussion of eternal temple blessings. So, thank you so much for your comments.
0: And thank you, Vanessa and Steve. It's been so great having you today. Thanks for your insights. Thanks for your experiences and your service and your testimonies as well. We really appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, for sure. And thank you also, those of you in the studio audience, we appreciate you being here today. Thanks for your comments, your insights. We appreciate everything that you've shared.
1: Yeah, and to those of you at home, thank you for your comments and questions and insights that you shared with us via social media. Uh, we'd love to have you come join us in the studio sometime, but if you can't, we hope you'll tune in next week for come follow up. Thanks.